Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Virulent News, Toxic Habits and Attitudes. I'm your host, Wayne Bibbs. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've tuned in before, welcome back. In this podcast, we examine all the things that we allow to interfere with our pursuit of our dreams and the indulgence in our passions. Procrastination, fear of trying something new, the belief that we may not be good enough, ridicule from our families, friends, and even strangers, and all the other toxic habits and attitudes that get in our way. And we all have things that we must do on a day-to-day basis, but we often forget that we can make room in our lives for the things that we enjoy. Your life is more than just a collection of your responsibilities, and in this podcast, we strive to remind you of that. When I first thought about doing a podcast, I thought about the things I would want to talk about and the people I wanted to interview. I created a list of topics and I devote the better part of each solo episode to examining those topics. But every so often, I'm hit with a bolt of inspiration that leads me to talk about something I hadn't considered. I was struck with one such bolt today. I heard about an inventor named Frederick McKinley Jones. Not very many people have heard of him, which to me is almost as remarkable as the various things he invented. Frederick was born in 1893 to an Irish father and African-American mother who died when Fred was about four years old. Frederick's father, John, was having trouble Uh, with single father duties, working as he did for the railroad. So Frederick went to a boy's home and was raised by a Catholic priest. Frederick left school after his sixth grade. By then, his father had died as well. And he began taking odd jobs here and there, as, you know, young kids will do. One of which was cleaning up in a garage. By age 14, just three years later, he's remember, he was about 11 years old when he started this. By age 14, Fred was a mechanic and later garage foreman. He later started working as a mechanic on a 50,000-acre farm owned by a man who also owned Great Northern Railroad. Remember, Frederick's father worked on the railroad, so I can't help but think that Frederick might have felt a connection to his father through working at the same kind of job. Frederick learned about electricity and steam locomotive engines, and at the age of 20, he had his engineering license. When World War I began, Frederick joined the Army and was placed in an all-black unit. Somewhere along the line, people took notice of Frederick's mechanical and electrical prowess, and he was promoted to sergeant as an electrician and was made an instructor for other soldiers. Frederick wired up the whole base for electrical, telegraph, and telephone service. After the war ended, Frederick returned to civilian life as a mechanic and learning more about electronics. He built a transmitter for his town's first radio station. He worked for a movie theater and patented a machine to dispense theater tickets. We still use those. You go to the theater and you say, two, please, and then pop them up. And, you know, that was that was Frederick. He, he 
is the one that's responsible for that. Now, by this time, talkies had been invented, but some of the smaller movie houses couldn't afford the equipment necessary to sync up the audio and the films. Frederick was able to invent a system to merge the two tracks affordably. As you might imagine, this drew the attention of some pretty big people. And one such person, Joseph Numero, owner of Ultraphone Sound Systems, hired Frederick to improve the quality of his products. Now, this is something that, uh, that has really blown my mind here, and I just want to, I want to share this with you. A friend of Joseph Numero's happened to mention that his company was suffering some pretty serious losses because he couldn't ship his food products, namely chickens, across the country without losing a big part of his shipment due to spoilage. <laughs> when I heard that, I started picturing Joe pulling kind of a Marcellus Wallace from Pulp Fiction, saying, chill out, man, I got you. I'm putting my man Fred on it. And chill out is exactly what he did, because Frederick created an automatic truck refrigeration unit, three of them, in fact, improving with each version, that greatly reduced spoilage of food traveling great distances. You may have heard of uh, a company that later began making these. It was called Thermo King. The true value of this invention was realized later when the refrigeration units were used for shipping food not just to market, but to areas where food was not especially plentiful, like drought-stricken regions, or even overseas where our troops needed food. Sometimes it wasn't even used for food. Sometimes blood needed to be transported to distant hospitals, and it needed to be kept cool. This invention didn't just make a ton of money, and it certainly did that, but it saved and continues to save lives. Now, as magnificent as all this man's accomplishments are, his name doesn't exactly spring to everyone's mind when asked about the great inventors like Tesla, Edison, Ford, and so forth, which leads me to the two thoughts that led me to today's episode. First, whether anyone remembers the name of the man who made all these things happen, his impact is undeniable. Just because his name is more likely to be an answer in Final Jeopardy than come up in casual conversation doesn't make his achievements and contributions any less incredible. The other thing that occurs to me is this. I'm pretty sure that this man, who started out from an early age as an orphan, who was just trying to make his way through life being the best Frederick he could be, never once imagined that he could have a life-changing and often life-saving effect on people around the world and for years after his own life ended. And that is what I want to impress upon you about you. I say this with all due respect. I know how it, it's going to sound, but with all due respect, you have no idea what kind of change you can bring about by just doing the things you're capable of doing. What do you gain by holding your gifts back? 
it's not like when you leave your job and they pay you for all the sick time and vacation time you've accumulated and didn't use. You think that when you die, they're going to give you coupons to use in the afterlife if you don't use the gifts you're given? Don't dismiss them and don't minimize them. Use them and enjoy using them. You might not be an answer on Jeopardy, but then again, you just might. We'll be right back. Are you enjoying the Virulent News, Toxic Habits, and Attitudes podcast with Wayne Bibbs? Have you given more thought to your own experiences and not following your dreams? Who and what you let stand in your way and what you can do to rid yourself of that toxic behavior? Now you can support Wayne's efforts to create more free content to reach more people. Please consider a monthly donation in support of the podcast so that we can continue to offer you stories from Wayne and his guests to encourage you to embrace and follow your dreams, as long as those dreams don't involve any sort of harm to yourself or anyone else. You can subscribe to the podcast on several platforms, and you can follow The Virulent News on Twitter, NowX, and Instagram. The Virulent News, Toxic Habits and Attitudes. We thank you for your support. And we're back. In my junior year of high school, I, uh, I met a young man who was in a couple of my classes. Hadn't bumped into him before. We had a creative writing class together. During our first week or so of the class, the teacher gave the class an assignment. I don't remember exactly what it was, but she gave us an assignment. And she wanted us to pair off. So this kid that I just met and I were sitting, you know, pretty close to each other. And we said, hey, you want to you want to do this? And she said, OK, sure. Fine. I, I don't remember which of us asked the other, but whichever one of us it was, you know, he asked the other accepted. Off we go. I do remember that he said, hey, listen, uh, why don't you come over to my house and we'll work on it there? I said, sure. No problem. So over to his house, I head, and uh, I go in and he we set up and we start working on our on our project together. His mother comes into the kitchen where we were sitting at the table working, and she says, uh, "Well, hello there." And you know, I stand up, I introduce myself, and she's utterly charming. And she's asking, you know, do you guys need anything? You want, you know, I've got lemonade, I've got this, I've got that. And, you know, we either accepted or politely declined as as the case was. And she went away for a while and we went on working. And she came back a little bit later, asked us again, is there anything you want? You know, and for some reason, I'm not sure exactly why he decided to do this, but my classmate So why don't you show Wayne that thing you do? And she said, okay. And she proceeded to do an impression of a hamster. Okay, 
this cracked me up. I have never, never before or since seen anyone do something like this. And it, it was just, it was the cutest thing. But uh, that's the kind of relationship they had where he could ask her to do something like this in front of someone she had never in her life seen before. <laughs> but as, uh, as time went on, this guy and I became very close friends. And I became pretty tight with all of his family. He had a, a younger brother two years behind us and uh, his mother and his father. And this was the kind of house where, you know, everybody in the neighborhood was over there. You know, she was that neighborhood mom. Everybody knew who she was. Everybody was cool while they were at her house. Nobody caused any trouble. If you thought about having a problem with one of the other kids there, you had to squash that because you didn't want anything upsetting her. Not that she was necessarily mean or, you know, the disciplinarian or anything. You just didn't. She was just so happy and bubbly. You didn't want anything messing with that. You know, you got to take that, you know, two blocks away if you want to really get into something with someone. Cut to about 40 years later. I'm having a book talk uh, on my book, Catalyst. Uh, I'm at the library. I've got, got the little crowd there. My wife is sitting there. And as I'm talking to the, to the group, this woman walks in. Honestly, I didn't even know she knew about the book. But there she was. She walked in and I just lit up. And I stopped talking to the group, ran over, gave her this big hug and thanked her for coming because it meant the world to me that she showed up. She saw my wife, went over, had a seat next to her. And I went on with the book talk. I cannot express how happy I was to see her. I, I just can't. The only thing that would have surprised and delighted me more would have been if my own mother could have been there. That, unfortunately, was impossible. But she was there, and that made my day. She was always very supportive of me, very, uh, she was almost like that, that next level mom. I think, it, I think everyone has, has that next level mom, whether it's from church, you know, you have your church mothers, you have your neighborhood mothers, you have, uh, just that, that woman who, who treated you like one of her own. I speak of this now because a couple of weeks ago, this wonderful woman died. And if you knew her, there is now a huge hole in your life. If my wife will allow me to speak for her for just a moment, there's one in hers and there's one in mine. I'm dedicating this episode of the Virulent News. To Judy Ann Teller, Mom Teller, as I called her. And Mom Teller, since you are now on the staff in heaven, I just want you to know we love you, we miss you, and we will be seeing you again. Thank you for everything that you 
did for us. Thank you for everything that you shared with us. You will never be forgotten. That's going to do it for this episode of the Virulent News, Toxic Habits and Attitudes. I am your slightly choked up host, Wayne Bibbs. Normally I have uh, some theme music for the show that I would play at this time, but for this episode, in honor of Mom Teller, I'm going to play uh, Linus and Lucy, commonly thought of as the Peanuts theme, uh, written and played by Vince Guaraldi. She loved that song, so I'm going to play it for her. The rest of you and I will be talking in the near future. But until then, take care.